Hey, I'm Ben Ramos, and I get the privilege of serving here as the senior pastor. We are a church all about the authentic power of God coupled with sound theology. Because God's given us his inerrant, infallible word, and in it, he calls us to be people who are filled by his Holy Spirit, people who are empowered by his Holy Spirit, and people who are led by his Holy Spirit. As a local congregation, God's called us to help people take steps in their relationship with Jesus, to see them rise from death to life and glory to glory. I just want to thank you guys so much for joining us today. I truly pray and I hope that this message would be an encouragement to you and your life, that it would help you to recognize that the mission field is all around you and that it would help you to take steps in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed. So I know we've got um, all of our Christmas gear set up. I know um, it is tradition to the Sunday after Thanksgiving, we dive into all the Christmas stuff. Um, I'm not ready. Who's fully ready? Who's like, I mean, I know there are people in my house who are fully ready. Like we had the Christmas music playing already and we, we've got all this stuff up and like, I mean, that was like before Thanksgiving was done. I'm like, okay. I, I take a little bit more time. Um, and so I want to take at least one more week, one more message uh, in this series called The End, Making Sense of the Times We Live In, looking towards the things that are to come, um, some eschatology, if you will, uh, just a little bit of recap on where we've been so far. We've realized that the scripture declares that Jesus is coming back and he's coming back the way that he left. There will be a bodily return of Jesus Christ. He's going to come in the clouds. The trumpets will blow. There'll be loud shouts. You're not going to miss it. Jesus is coming back. But until then, we're not just sitting with our suitcases packed, waiting and just sitting down, right, uh, 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 getting blisters on our bum because we haven't moved. We will not be the blistered bum church. Come on, somebody. We're going to be the church who leaves the seats to go to the streets, to reach the lost, to save the sick, to cast out demons, to raise the dead by the power of God who dwells within us. Come on, let's go. Okay, this is what we are doing in the meantime. And what we're seeing is a growth of two kingdoms. As Jesus spoke of uh, the wheat and the tares, he illustrated two kingdoms, a kingdom of good and a kingdom of evil growing together at, uh, during this time until... The angels will come and reap a harvest and divide between the two, those who followed Jesus and those who did not follow Jesus. And we saw eight signs of his coming, and that those left us with an expectation that Jesus is coming soon. He is our soon and coming king. I'm ready for it. I'm excited for it. Jesus, Jesus come. But again, until then, our eyes are fixed upon him. What does that look like? We talked about this a little bit through the illustration of John who wrote the letter of Revelation and what that looked like. After he was boiled and after he was marooned on an island, he decided that he wasn't going to sit there and mope about all the things that took place, but he was going to say, today is the Lord's day. 
This is the Lord's day. What's tomorrow? Tomorrow's the Lord's day. What's yesterday? It was the Lord's day. What is right now? Today is the Lord's day. And if it's the Lord's day, then I can be in the Spirit just like John was. Because the Holy Spirit is available to us. And if I have the Holy Spirit available to me, I'm going to press in. I'm going to press in because the promise of Scripture is that if I seek him, I will find. As I draw near, he will draw near to me. This is the truth of Scripture, and I'm pressing in. I don't know if it's the extra coffee. Actually, I switched to green tea this morning, so that maybe has me a little bit amped. But I'm excited to be here because, honestly, I sought the Lord this week, and I said, all right, God, if I need to know how you want me to finish this series because there's a lot of things to talk about when it comes to eschatology. When it comes to the end, when it comes to the book of Revelation, when it comes to all of that apocryphal stuff, all of, all of that apocalyptic stuff, there's a lot to talk about. What, what, God, what do you want us to talk about today? And he said, I want you to teach a little bit, and I want you to preach a little bit. And so I started preaching a little bit already. I'll, I'll get to some more of that in a minute here, but I want to teach just a little bit. Eric delivered a message last week, and it was about considering your ways. Consider how you're building your life. Consider what you've built your life with. There's an opportunity if you haven't been building your life with the rock who is Christ. There's an opportunity to start building that now. This is the season of grace. This is a time period of grace that we live in where God is continually welcoming, saying, here's the gift. Here's my son. Would you, would you take it? Would you cash it in? You've been paid for. You just got to come to the will call center. You just got to come in and cash it in. You've been paid for. But consider your life. Why? Why consider your life? And that leads me to a couple things I want to get to today, which is judgment and gates. Judgment and gates. So why consider our ways uh, currently? In, in, in our life. Eric shared about Zerubbabel and Joshua and how they were building, rebuilding the temple of God. And remember that as the temple in New Testament believers, we, we are that temple, right? We are the temple of, of God. How are, how are we building it? And I, I was just reminded of it in the whole story as, as a whole. One of the big things that I get from that story is don't stop the building. Don't, and I, I felt like that was coming clear for somebody here today. Don't stop the building. Say, I've built it all the way up. Well, maybe it's time for an upgrade. I know that's dangerous when we start talking about our homes, right, guys? <laughs> upgrade, come on, right? But maybe it's time for, for an upgrade. Maybe we've got to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Maybe, maybe we've got to join a group. Maybe we've got to serve. Maybe we've got to take another step. We've got these little cards throughout the facility that say, take a step with Jesus and just different ways for us to grow in our faith. But take a step. Let's continue, let's continue to grow. But consider your ways. Consider your ways. So after the tribulation, which we've talked about, after Jesus returns in the clouds and the dead and the alive and Christ will rise to be with him after the millennial reign comes a time of judgment. There is a judgment to come. It's important that we know that, and it's an, an important aspect of, of this, uh, this section that we are studying in, in the end. So let's go here to Revelation chapter 20. Let's um, read in verse 11. 
It says, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Right? Remember this vision of what's going to take place at the end that Jesus is giving to John and he's writing it down. So he saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and there was no place uh, was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life... He was thrown into the lake of fire. So question, as we're reading this and understanding this section of scripture, who is this pertaining to? This is pertaining to those whose names are not found in the book of life. Those who chose not to follow Jesus in in this life, there will be a separation and there will be this judgment and they will stand before the great throne. And then judgment will, will come. Now, the Greek verbiage here used for this great white throne is thronos, megos, lukos. And it's important just to, to recognize where, where they're going to be standing. Thronos, megos, lukos, the great white throne. And I want you to note that this is actually a different place than the followers of Jesus will, will stand. This thronos, mag, megos, lukos is where this final separation will take place of those who chose to follow Jesus and who did not. And there will be a heaven and there will be a hell. But what about us believers? Because uh, there has been this belief and this thought where people have said, oh, well, we just get skipped over in the judgment. As Christians, we we just skip that part, right? We hit the next button and there there we go, next. But what I've found is when when we hear that teaching, Then we get to some of the scriptures and we begin to question, wait, what does this mean? And so we got to have a full biblical understanding of of what then happens to us believers, those who are followers of Jesus. Romans 14, 10 through 12 says, for we, Paul writing to the Christians in Rome, we, us, the people of God, we will stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give account of himself, account of our lives to God. So we will stand account before God. There will be like this replay booth of of our our lives. It says in 2 Corinthians 5:10, for we again, Paul speaking to the Christians at Corinth, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Again, it's this replay booth. So this Greek word, which is different from the thronos, megos, lukos, or uh, I I forgot the last word already, but um, lukanos, was that it? Uh, uh, This judgment seat, the Greek verbiage used here is bima, is the bima seat, and it finds its background in the Greek competitions, like the Olympics. And the, the judge 
would sit at this bima seat, and when the people would cross the finish line, that's the person who would give the rewards, the medals, for the following of the rules of the race and finishing this, this race. And so what happens to believers when we stand before the bema seat of, of God? We're rewarded for the good that we're done, right? But what about, what about the sin? What happens what happens with that? How is that seen as we stand before the Bema seat? You know, the, the sins that the Bible talks about staying away from. In James 4.17, it says, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, that is sin. How are these sins viewed in our lives as we have this great replay booth taking place before the bema seat of, of God. And, and we've got a couple of scriptures which will bring us really quite some encouragement here. Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. That's good news, y'all. Praise Jesus. 1 John 1, 8 and 9 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So our sins are viewed through the blood of Christ. We are forgiven. And so I, like practically... I, 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 I think about what this is going to look like. I'm, I'm very, like, uh, visual in, in that way as I process through Scripture. I'm like, what's, what's that going to look like? And so I just imagine, like, this, this replay booth, almost just like this, like a big screen TV or something. I'm sitting there. It's like, okay, sit down. Sit down. Let's, let's go ahead and press play. Let's, let's see what your life looked like as, as we're looking through everything that you've, you've done. And then... There's all these times and my cheeks start to begin to get red a little bit. And, and it's like, yeah, so as you can see here, Ben used the F word 8,003,556.5 times. He sounded like Samuel L. Jackson saying, mother, father, shut the front door, right? All of these, and God's like, yeah, you guys okay? Okay, just, just getting, getting real on these, these replays here as close as we possibly can. And, and God says, yep, yep, I see that. I, I, I see that one too. Yep, that, that, there's another one. Yep, yep, there's another one. But Ben received the grace that is in Jesus Christ. He received his forgiveness. He received it. It was a gift that I gave him but through his faith. And so now, now, let's, let's go ahead and replay all the times that he prayed and I answered. Let's go ahead and replay all of those times where Ben said yes when I was prompting him. Let's go ahead and play, replay all of those times that, uh, that he helped people take steps in relationship with Jesus. And now, now put yourself, put yourself there. Forgiven. Forgiven. And what comes after that is, well done. Well done, my faithful servant. I look towards those words. That will be that will be the applause that I am living for. And we will get to be with Jesus forever. What's that gonna look like? 
What's that going to look like? Here's a, a, a little bit of a, a glimpse, and this is going to lead me into where, uh, where I want to start preaching a little bit. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. I love that. Yes! The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. When I think about heaven, this is the gist of, of my, my thoughts towards eternity with God. I just get to be in the full presence of God, and it's going to be incredible, and I don't really care about anything else. I decided to tell you that at the end of our series rather than the beginning of our series uh, because I, I thought that might take away of, uh, from some of the, the teaching points of this. But really, in my eschatology, that's what I look forward to. That's, that's it. I'm going to die. I'm going to give account for these things. I get to be with Jesus forever, and that is incredible. I, oh, the presence of God. Here's, here's some other good news. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. You know, this is probably, it's funny to say that in times of like difficult seasons and mourning and grief and loss, I look to Revelation as, as my comfort. This is what I look towards because I know that there will be a day where this pain that I'm feeling, this grief that I'm feeling and I'm walking through, that it will be no longer. That's, that's good news. Verse 5. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down. That's where I got that from, in case y'all were wondering. Write this down. <laughs> I didn't. I just thought of that right now, but that's cool. <laughs> Write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the alpha, the alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end to the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, the murderers, the sexual immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, the liars... Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Then came one of the angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, come, I'll show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God having the glory of God, its radiance, like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall. And here's where I began to get intrigued. With 12 gates, and at the gates, 12 angels, 
and at the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the three east gates and on the three north gates and on the south three gates and on the west three gates and the wall of the city had twelve foundations and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And so out of all of the different imagery that we could be talking about, uh, um, I saw a, a tree topper on social media that depicted what one of the angels would actually look like. It had eyes all over and feathers. And did you, anyone else see that? I'll have to find it and share it, right? So we could talk about that imagery, or we could talk about like the imagery of the dragon or, or the, the meaning of all of these different things. But as I sought the Lord I, I, and I asked him, for rise, what do you want them to hear? What is this people, what is this church need to hear as we close this series? And here's what he said. Pay attention to the gate. Pay attention to the gate. That might be one worth writing down. Pay attention to the gate. I heard a preacher spend over a month preaching on the gates within the Bible. It, it was in, incredible. There's a lot of, a lot of different gates. I'm going to run over here. Okay, I'm going to set up my gates. Okay. So gates in the scripture, there was a fronter, front, frontal, frontal, fronter. I'm going to say fronter. There was a fronter gate out front, and there was a, a backer gate back, back here. And a lot of the things that would take place would take place inside of the gate. And there's really a whole lot of significance of what the Bible says happens at the gate. It's, it's really, really powerful, this, this space between. I, I just want to give you a few, a brief overview. In Genesis 23, the gate was a place... Uh, where the cave of Machpelah was legally given to Abraham to bury Sarah. So this was a place, the gate was a place where business takes place. In Ruth chapter 4, Boaz was able to marry and gained this uh, ability to uh, marry Ruth in the gates. That's Ruth chapter 4. So the gates is a place where life-changing decisions are made, it's a place where God's provision takes place. In Amos chapter 5, the gates are a place where societal decisions about justice are supposed to be made. So decisions that influence justice in the society happen in the gates. In 2 Samuel 15, the gates are where Absalom begins to steal influence from King David. And so the gates is a place of gaining influence. It's a place of stewarding influence. In 2 Samuel 18, David sat at the gates awaiting the news of the battle, what had happened at the battle. So the gates is a place where news is stewarded. The gates is a place where news comes in and it goes out. In 2 Samuel 19, the gates is where David's presence dictates the emotions of people. If he's not there, the people are dismayed. But when he is there, the people gain courage. Pay attention to the gate. Here's the practical part. The Lord said, you have a gate in your life. You've got gates in your life that God is calling you to man. 
you've got you've to man, man the gates. Man the gates in your life. So I want you to be thinking about like, very practically, I'm, I'm asking you, please consider this before the Lord because I believe this is him speaking to you, giving you some, some direction. What are the gates in your life and how are you supposed to be manning them? A place of, of business. It's a place of business. I've prophesied this over this house before and I continue to remind it and call it forth that there are kingdom businesses that are yet to be planted they're yet to be launched from this house. That God is going to be launching it. Is, is this your gate? Someone say, man the gate. I want you to hear that reflecting through your ears this week. Man your gate. It's a place of life decisions, of, changing, uh, of life-changing decisions. You've got people in your life right now whom you have influence over who you can influence to make decisions. And God was just showing me the, the decisions that you can help them to make can change the trajectory of their life as well as, and I just kept getting like the, uh, the generations that come after. And, and, and I believe that God wants to give you a perspective of the generations that are to come after and just the impact of one little small thing that you can uh, say or influence over somebody. Someone say, man, the gate. You've got a gate in your life that has the ability to provide for needs for others. Man, the gate. Man, the gate. The Lord has showed me someone under the sound of my voice. I didn't get a very clear picture of who this person was, but they have a, a, a reach into the justice system in our society. And God was just saying that he's going to be giving you some very clear direction as to how to influence the justice system in a way that is of the kingdom of God. Someone say, man, that gate. There's a gate of influence in your life, the influence where uh, in today's society we say like there are influencers, and that's kind of the way that I'm using this. There's specific people who have the ability to um, change the trajectory of many, right? They're, they're influencers, and I just felt the Lord speaking this to someone over your influence, and, and if this is for you, don't just be thinking, I wonder if this is for me. I believe that the Lord's going to like hit this like a ton of bricks to your face. Just poof, like, oh my goodness, that is for me. God's calling you to a higher level. God's calling you to a higher level of, of stewarding the things that you say and the things that... The, uh, the product of your life. And so no longer are you able to just say, oh yeah, share that. Oh yeah, post that. There's a higher level that God is calling you into to actually inquire, is this biblical? Is this of God? Is this the influence that I'm supposed to have? Is this going to produce the fruit in lives that, of the people who are, are receiving from me? There's a, higher, there's a higher level. Someone say, man, that gate. You've got a gate in your life where news is released, where people kind of come to you to listen to, hey, what's going on? What's, what's going on in this person's life? What's going on in this community? What's going on over here? People just naturally like come to you for, for that news. And there's an importance to be monitoring the news that you are, the news that you are sharing. Again, 
what fruit is this producing? Is it producing fear in them? Is it drawing them towards God? Is it drawing them towards community? What, what is this news that I am sharing doing in other people's lives? I saw several who are at the gate uh, that guards the flow of emotions for others. In other words, you look at yourself and you recognize that you're a person who is able to press buttons in people's emotions really easily. And God's just saying, hey, be on the lookout for that. Just recognize what, what buttons you are pushing. And where naturally we just, uh, we kind of step into this place of just pressing without thinking, hey, let's see what kind of reaction this gets. Let's see. And that can be fun, especially like with siblings and whatnot, right? That, that can kind of be fun. Ooh, press that button, press that button. But there's a larger point to this that God is bringing about in you. You know what happens in Acts chapter 3 at the gate? At the gate was where Peter and John, after being baptized in the Holy Spirit, they went and they prayed and they saw muscles built out of nothing in this man who had been lame since birth and he gets up and he's jumping around and he gets to go into the temple now. Imagine what it would be like if all of us recognized we have a gate and when we go to our gate, we're going to be baptized with the power and the spirit of God and we're going to let that be released at the gate. We've got a lot of gates represented here in our church and here throughout our society. What if we were spirit-filled Spirit-led, spirit-driven, moving in, in the spirit. What's your gate? What's your gate? I want you to pay attention to, to the gates in your life. And um, I, I want you to remember this, that no matter where your gate is at, there's always a way to point back to Jesus. There's always a way to point back to Jesus. And I was just taken, taken by this, looking at the different gates that are in the walls of Jerusalem. We saw uh, these 12 gates being described here in Revelation. The walls of Jerusalem initially had 12 gates. The walls of the New Jerusalem, 12 gates. The wall in Jesus' time uh, ended up being like something around eight gates. In Nehemiah chapter 3, as he's rebuilding things, there talks about a number of different gates that are being rebuilt. And I just want to hit some of them that he, he gets to. I wonder if you could show that map real quick. I want you to just take a look at, at some of these gates around this city. There's, there's, there's a bunch of them. In Nehemiah 3.1, there's the sheep gate. This is the one where they would bring in the sheep, where they would bring in the sacrifice, which obviously this gate in Old Testament times can point us towards the Messiah, towards Jesus coming as our spotless lamb, paying the price for us. This gate can point towards Jesus. And then there's the fish gate in Nehemiah chapter 3.3, 3, where the fish from the Mediterranean Sea would be brought in. And it just makes me think, when's, when's the last time that we brought in, brought in our, our, our catch? As we are called to be and empowered to be fishers of men, by the power of the Holy Spirit, when's the last time that we've brought in this, this catch? And I, I, I'm not talking about rainbow trout, right? I'm talking about helping, helping people to, uh, I'm down with some rainbow trout, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm talking about helping people to know the maker of the rainbow, right? Okay. 
So that's the, the, the fish gate. Then there's the valley gate opening up into a, a low place because finding Jesus is easiest when we find ourselves low. And then there's the dung gate in Nehemiah 3.14. That's the one that led to the dump because we've all got trash to be thrown out. And as we throw it out, we can come to Jesus and be cleansed. There's the fountain gate, the one that allowed drinking water to come into the city. And the drinking water is symbolic of the Holy Spirit, waters of living water, uh, living waters that would refresh our, our lives. And that's made available through Jesus. There's the water gate. The water gate. Yeah, it takes us a little bit past 1972. A little bit past a guy named Richard. Okay. The water, the water gate. This was for cleansing, like the blood of Jesus. Again, pointing towards, towards Jesus. And then there was the horse gate for warfare. Today we know that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and principalities. And it points us towards putting on the full armor of Jesus. And then there's the inspection gate for reviewing all of the registered soldiers bringing us again back to the judgment of, of God, judging through the who's, who's ready, right, in, in the, judgment, the inspection gate. And we can stand with confidence in the, blood in, Jesus, uh, in the blood of Jesus as those who have chosen to follow him. Pay attention to the gate. There's always a way to use it to point back towards Jesus. Um, I think we got time for one more gate, if you guys are good with that. Ned, if you could come up and uh, start playing a little behind me, key, uh, help getting us, us going just a, a little bit. So the last gate I want to get to is the East Gate. This is my favorite, the East Gate. This is the one on the east side of the city. It's leading directly into the temple. And as God revealed the second coming of Jesus to Ezekiel in a vision, it says in Ezekiel 11.23, And the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city and stood on the mountain that is on the east side. The east side of the city. Y'all know what mountain is on the east side of the city? Olives. It's the Mount of Olives. In the prophecy that God gave to Zechariah about the second coming of Jesus, it says this in Zechariah 14.4. On that day, his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem in the east. And the Mountain of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by a very wide valley so that one half of the mountain shall be moved northward and the other to be moved southward. In other words, it's creating a pathway from this mountain where the feet of Jesus will land into that east gate. It's, pre- it's creating a, a, a runway. What did the angels say to the disciples after Jesus ascended and they were staring into the clouds? What did, what did the angels say? He said he's going to come back the same way that he left. Where was he standing? On the Mount of Olives. Where did he ascend from, the Mount of Olives, the mountain in the east? Where was that gate that Jesus entered through for his triumphal entry on Palm Sunday? That's the one 
in, in the east? Where's the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus went to pray after the last summer, after the last supper? Which gate did he use? That was, that was the east gate. And in Ezekiel 44, when he speaks of his vision of the new Jerusalem and how Jesus will come through the east gate, he's, he's, he's coming down through that gate. Goes Mount of Olives, then there's going to be a path that's created and he's going to march on through, in through that east gate. How much do you believe this? How much do you believe that Jesus is coming Back, it's so fascinating to me the, the distance between the, uh, uh, this east gate and this mountain. It's about 2,000 cubits. That's just over a half a mile for us, which is the distance that the people, as they went over the Jordan, that they were supposed to keep themselves from the ark. And now he's bringing us closer. He's bringing us all in so that we can be there right with him. How much do we believe this? I wonder today, because the Muslims in 1550 believed this so much. They believed in the scripture so much that Suleiman the Magnificent had 16 feet of cement poured on top of it to close it off. He put a cemetery there because he knew that in Leviticus 21, it said that a Jewish priest can't come through there because of the dead people. The Jews still bury their dead there today. They, they believed it. How much do we believe this? Listen, our gates can point towards, towards Jesus. Here's the cry of John as, as we just wrap up our, our, our study in Revelation and end times. Here's the cry of John to close the book of Revelation. This is also the cry of God's people as we look towards this east gate. Here's the cry of our lips and the stance of our hearts as we would man the gates of our reason, region. John says it this way, come Lord Jesus. Come. Would you, guys, would you guys stand with me? The psalmist wrote it this way in Psalm 24. He, he, it's, it's a little something like this. He says, lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates. Lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Our cry is swing wide, you gates, that the king of glory may come in, that the glory of God may come and dwell in this region, dwell in this house, dwell in our houses, dwell where we go. We say, come, Lord. We are ready for you. We are welcoming you. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Until that day you come in the clouds, we say come into our hearts, come into our lives, empower us with our spirit. Move in your spirit here in our midst that we would see signs, wonders, and miracles break forth, that the today would be greater than the latter, that what we're seeing now, there would be greater things to come. Our expectation is on high, and we say come. We say come. Holy Spirit, come. Move. 
move in our region. We prophesy it in Jesus' mighty name. Open the gates in Jesus' mighty name. Open the gates. Hey, thanks again for joining us. If you have been blessed by Rise Church, be sure to follow us and share it on your social media. You can subscribe to a podcast, and if you haven't had a chance to give yet, you can do so at risechurchid.org or send a text message with a cash amount to the number 84321. And remember that the mission field is all around you, so go in the power of Jesus and bring that transformation for his glory.